welcome to episode 196 of the Startcast, Press Start Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, Ewan, joined today by my fellow gamers, James. Hello. And for the first time in a long time, Jake. Oh, no. It's already broken. (laughs) Yeah, something went real strange. Are you here? Are you with us, Jake? Uh, Yeah, yeah. You were like, and, and then went like softly quiet. To the extent that I couldn't hear you, and then you were back, and I was like, "Hey, anyway, hi guys." Did you turn me down a little bit too much? Maybe no. You're I, like off. at the same level. At the same level. Look, I haven't been on I this for a while, so like you know, technical difficulties are definitely going to be a thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think James and I have decided that the the podcast is cursed. The amount of technical difficulties we have on this show, for what really should be quite a simple thing, is uh, out out of sorts. Yeah. Fair. Um. But Jake, it has been a long time since we've had you on the show, Um, but we wanted to make a special effort to have you uh, amongst your busy life and your busy schedule, because you've just got back from a trip to LA where you went to Galaxy's Edge and basically lived out you and Stream Trip, but you were there for other reasons, but you attended Galaxy's Edge and I'd be amiss not to ask about that. So how, how was the park? What did you get to experience? Did you drink some blue milk? Did you see the Millennium Falcon? What did you get up to? Ah. All that and more. Like honestly, like the the trip for any Star Wars fan, I like it. If trip one like once in a lifetime trip, absolutely. It was like it was absolutely amazing. I think I came back with even more of a love and passion for Star Wars, if that's even a possibility. Um, That's what we want. But Galaxy's Edge, very very cool experience. I mean, like there's not really too much to it at. At the moment, because obviously it's new and it's got like one ride and things like that. But, Mm. you know, kind of like stepping in, it honestly does feel like you've just kind of walked into a Star Wars movie. Like, like, the smallest details to the grandest details are just so, like, visible and there. Like, just everything is just... Uh, it's just it's just amazing that's rad so it's did like, you interact with the cast members as well and yeah there were a, there were a few when we first uh-huh. kind of went in uh there wasn't really anything kind of happening and then these just random moments you know during the day when we kind of went back in um there was right. like stormtroopers around uh we ran into like uh, ray and chewbacca um i wasn't there it, it seems like they put on like a little performance here and there, but I wasn't there for when like Kylo Ren and and stuff did like a little thing on the stage with their Imperial ship and things like that. But yeah, definitely ran into Ray, Chewbacca, Stormtroopers. Um, it was pretty pretty crazy. Like the, That's sick. the chick that plays Ray, honestly, they have cast very well because <laughs> she looks exactly like her and sounds exactly like her. So good job, Disney. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that the craziest thing and the funnest thing about it was just like there's no signs anywhere. So there's not a sign saying like, oh, here's this store or here's where you can build a droid or build a lightsaber or, you know, here's the cantina. Um, yeah. Like it's literally just nothing signed. You happen to walk past a door and it slides open. And you're like, oh, damn, like we can go in here. And then you walk in and it's a... You know, it's a, a shop dedicated to all things Jedi, or it's a shop that's just dedicated to you know Empire stuff, or it is like the Droid Workshop that you know you wouldn't have known it was there. Um, so it's just really cool, kind of walking around, and you want to explore, and you want to see if like, oh, will this door open, or is it just a prop? Like, 
yeah, it's it's very cool just to kind of like walk in, experience it, and kind of look in all the nooks and crannies to to see what's around and what they've what they've really done. That's so cool. And am I right in thinking you got to make one of those custom lightsabers as well? Absolutely, I did for a nice, oh. expensive price, but it was a hundred percent worth it. Um, yes, yeah, super so cool experience. You, so, do you like have it now? Did you get to I, bring it back? Oh, yeah, I'm not leaving that thing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how it works. I, I, I had a friend that went recently, and it was, he said it was so heavy because uh, yeah. it's all kind of it's all like a metal hills and stuff. Mm. They actually had to mail it back, and he's still waiting for it to come in the post. Oh, really? What? No, we can. Yeah. Was it an, like an issue for customs? <laughs> like no, <laughs> no, not at all. So we thought it might have been. Um, but we jumped on like um, TSA website and like Qantas and stuff like that. And they've literally got a category in there amongst like, you know, like, I don't know, sport equipment and, you know, uh, wedding attire and things. It literally <laughs> says lightsabers and you click on it and it tells you what the go is with it. So now we were able to, I chucked the um, the hilt in my check-in and then took the blade um, on board just as carry on and popped it in the overhead compartment. So yeah, super easy. And everyone was kind of like, oh yeah, cool, sweet, yeah, normal. Did anyone make a joke of like, sir, are you aware that you're carrying a weapon onto the plane right now? <laughs> no, no, no. I but feel like <laughs> one of the um, one of the flight attendants, like when we um, got back home and realized uh-huh. because there was a couple of us on the on the same flight, um, realized we had these lightsabers. They're like, oh, you should have told us. We could have got them out and like, you know, had lightsabers fights while the plane was up in the air. I was like, oh, damn it. We should have done that. <laughs> That'd have been great for your vlog. Mm. Uh, oh, James, I, I've only sort of really begun to appreciate how big a Star Wars fan you, you actually are. Is this high on your, your to-do list? Um, yeah, I've always, like, I've definitely, but I just wanted to, I guess, like, wait a bit for it to be, like, it's not 100% done yet, is it? No. From from what I remember, well, yeah. They've got And I they're think adding got, ones to yeah. Orlando, I think. And this adding one to Tokyo Disney, I think, too, which is kind of the one I'm hanging out for, I think. Well I just saw yeah, as I well, I think it was today or yesterday, like the so the one in LA, they're about to launch a new ride, which is apparently supposed to be the greatest immersive ride in all of Disney lands and worlds and whatever. You know, into Galaxy Edge. So it probably definitely good to wait a little bit i think that's supposed to come out like towards the end of the year or something yeah like i just don't want to go that way all that way and then not and then like leave because as an example like my sister just got back from la Mm. and she Mm. went to disneyland and stuff and none of the galaxy's edge stuff was open oh (laughs) oh and she was like oh and most of it just opened as she left and she's like fuck now i've got to go back right yeah um yeah. So, like, i don't want to have that feeling i just want to know that i can do everything when i get there yeah yeah um but yeah, no, it looks great. Because the, is there a hotel there too? Is that that thing or is that not open yet as well? That's not open yet. I think that's supposed to open next year. I oh, think that is. yeah. It's like um, like a, meant to be a spaceship, like traveling through space, right? And you're assigned roles and like it's all yeah. role play sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds really cool. Sounds um, cool. But it wasn't just all fun and games, Jake. Well, it kind of was. You were there yeah, to play some, play some true, I yeah. imagine, <laughs> fun games. Um, you were there to check out Jedi Fallen Order and mm. preview that. Mm. Uh, so we'd be amiss not to touch on that. How was the game? The game was, like, actually um, amazing. Like, the hype is is real for this one. I, um, I went in quite cautious because, I mean, it's, it's EA and they haven't... They haven't been great in terms of hype and then executing on that hype uh, with yep. some of their past games. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? 
Mm, don't know how this is going to be. I mean, Respawn, lovers of developer, like obviously we've been playing heaps of their games recently with like Apex Legends and things like that. So it's like, I was like, mm, I'm cautiously optimistic right now, but probably at, mm, it was probably like three minutes in to playing the game and I was like, oh damn, like this is 100% the Star Wars game we wanted and that we've been waiting for, for sure. So... Oh, diggity damn! Oh, it's, it's good. Like... Uh, what we probably got like three hours uh with the game and ever since those three hours i've literally had butterflies in my stomach being like i cannot wait to play this game more like i i i think that the 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 thing i was most surprised about is just the depth of it the depth of like the customization the combat even i was quite worried that potentially we you know, I, I loved Force Unleashed, the first one, not the second one. Let's not mention the second one. Um, <laughs> oh, it was okay. <laughs> but, like, I was worried. Like, I love Force Unleashed, but it was a bit of a, a button basher, um, you know, and just kind of slicing through waves of enemies and things like that and, and using some mm. for, cool Force powers. But, yeah, the combat in Jedi Fallen Order is... It's in depth. It kind of, I, I said in the article, but it, it kind of punishes you for even trying to button bash. It's, it's strategic. It's like thoughtful combat where, you know, you need to kind of play both defensively and offensively to actually finish off your foes and prioritize, you know, the different enemies that you may be, you know, fighting at once. So, you know, there were times where there was guys shooting, you know, rocket launches at us, some, you know, ground troops, some guys with like energy staffs and things. So it's kind of like, okay, cool. I need to kind of get rid of these RPG guys first so I don't get blown up, then take out the easy ground crews and then tackle the harder guys, you know, after that. So, Mm. you know, you're kind of utilizing your dodge and your lightsaber blocks and force powers to kind of, you know, yeah, prioritize, move across kind of the arena to each of your enemies and then, kind of execute that combat accordingly to um to survive essentially so. yeah it, when i was back in back in april i went and uh spoke to Stig gasmussen who mm. i don't know if you got any time with uh no. during the event no. jake um but he was talking about the combat the game as being meaningful was the way that he described it mm. um and uh i watched some of the the b-roll footage uh that was attached to your to your gameplay session as well jake um, and it, I can see that that meaningfulness kind of carry across in the same way that you have to approach, I guess, God of War's combat, yeah. um, the most recent God of War, that is, um, and even kind of Dark Souls combat. Mm-hmm. You kind of got to think about every button press and yeah. putting together those combos and dodging their attacks at the right time. Um, all of that sort of, all of those mechanics seem to be featuring quite heavily in indoor combat a hundred a hundred percent and it was funny about that gameplay and i was saying to shannon i was like it looks like whoever's playing it has kind of like dumbed down their play a little bit because obviously when they've brought out the first gameplay trailers and everything they got a bit of backlash for it seeming too easy so Mm. like this this time it looked like they were kind of purposely getting hurt and and things like that which i did have a little laugh at but yeah, there was. Yeah, there was. I guess they're they're just trying to show some of those. Uh, well, exactly. You know, damage. Exactly. I think, but uh, I think it's always going to be hard though to like balance. Like you're playing when you're a Jedi, you've got you know your lightsaber, your force powers, and stuff. Mm, like, mm. how do you be that powerful without it getting boring by being too easy? And I guess yeah. Well, yeah. That that the smartest way is to make sure you kind of punish people who play super erratically. Um, yeah. Which it sounds like it does. 
So well, yeah, yeah. And I, I even said that in 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 my write up. You know, like you feel, you know, with the the skill trees and the combat mechanics and everything, you 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 feel like a Jedi, but you don't feel like this overpowered you know lightsaber wielder that's just literally like oh i'm a jedi like i'm a god i can walk through this and just shove enemies anywhere like you know i guess i guess true to the nature of the star wars universe it's like you know the jedi were eradicated through order 66 with you know stormtroopers firing guns at them you know they're not they're not um indestructible so i think this game really nails that balance of yeah, you have things like the Force, you have great weapons like the lightsaber, but that doesn't mean you're invincible, which I think other games have kind of felt that way. So, yeah, it's uh, it's really it's really cool combat mechanics for sure. I think it's definitely definitely a way of kind of, of fighting and, and everything that we've just not seen in a, in a Star Wars game before. Mm-hmm. I guess the um, like the only thing I would really maybe just want to like clarify. Is it when you're not in combat? Um, is mm-hmm. it what? How does it work in terms of? Is it like stage based, or is it like open worldish, or is it like a Dark Souls open world, or more of like a, I don't know, like Mass Effect kind of open world setup? Um, did you get to see much of the stuff that wasn't the combat, like the way it's like a structure of the loop is? Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. So I mean, the gameplay session that we started with, we kind of like get off the ship, um, and essentially before any kind of combat starts you know you we essentially have this entire area that we could explore and and um you know you have this little and it's got a hollow map from your little droid bd1 and on there it essentially tells you the places you can go or the places you can't access quite yet because you don't have the right skills or the right right um you know upgrades for bd1 or anything like that so there's quite like there's definitely two components of this game one is obviously the combat and two is definitely the exploration so um yeah it's 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 huge i i haven't really played a lot of i guess the games that a lot of people been liking them to i've seen a couple uh around in in other articles and things like that to like zelda dungeons um definitely dark souls and stuff uh was it metroid mania whatever what I don't know what that one is. Was it described as Metroidvania? That one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's definitely. Um, I. I uh, I played three hours of the game. I think at the end of it, in my menu for that planet, I had only seen about thirty percent of the planet, and mm. like I explored a heap. Like I got lost at some point, like to the point that one of the people were like, "Oh, you need to go here to go back to." you know where we need you to go like if you go that way it was it's going <laughs> to open up another five layers of of you know exploration for you so go back this way so yeah i mean exploration is huge there's there's heaps to find from like i guess like workbenches where you can upgrade your lightsaber and, and droid to chests that you can find which gives you anything from uh you know like skill points you've got like essences which upgrade like your house health and force uh usage uh you know customizable things like uh cosmetics as well as lightsaber parts so yeah exploration is a huge part of this game and it's definitely much more it's definitely much more hmm, like open worldy to a point um like each area definitely has probably like three or four different yeah. ways of accessing another area. So it's still like, 
it's not full open world, but it definitely feels at least like you've got multiple options and how you want to attack it or where you want to go next. It kind of sounds like, yeah, semi-open hub worlds kind of like in the Tomb Raider sort of franchise. Absolutely. That I've seen recently, yeah. like a Rise of the Tomb Raider sort of game. Maybe yeah. with a maybe with a bit more exploration perhaps in those ones. But I'd probably say so. Like, yeah, definitely that, that kind of Tomb Raider feel. But uh-huh. I, I kind of roughly remember Tomb Raider kind of being, yeah, maybe like two two ways of, you know, approaching. Like it's quite still linear, whereas this is probably a little bit more open than that. Okay, cool. I color me excited. I cannot wait. So it's what November seventeenth or something. This one's coming out. Is that uh, right? Fifteenth. Am I getting dates? Fifteenth. I'm getting dates confused. I think it's December seventeenth. The film comes out, isn't it? December ninth or nineteenth? Oh, you no, know what? Who cares? It's definitely um, the fifteenth. Did you guys see the, for the game? Yeah, it's the fifteenth. Fifteenth for the game. Excellent. Did you guys see the new trailer that dropped today for the film <gasps> as well? Absolutely. Oh man, I feel like I need to watch it like at least ten more times to properly digest it. Oh, it's just and the music behind it—it's just—it's oh, just so emotional. So like, I've, you I'm, bought your tickets, right, James? Yes, I did buy my tickets. I bought them late, so I'm not sure if my seats are good, as we were discussing before. But I did buy tickets, so to a midnight session. Well, p- people were yes. snapping them up. Yeah, right? midnight for sure. I nice. didn't really want to. I just, I just know if I don't go and see it like the first time I can. Um, I will get spoiled or I'll be tempted to look shit up. So I mm. need to make sure yeah. I, I curb those habits quickly. That's yeah. Fair. This is appointment viewing for me. Has, yeah. has to be done. Going in costume, the whole shebang. Uh, Jake? I mean, sorry, no, James. <laughs> what did you want to talk Hello. about this week? Um, I was just thinking um, in terms of like this week, we've got um, three, I'm sure there's other games too, but three major games coming out on Friday. Um, the Outer Worlds, Call of Duty Modern Warfare and Medieval. Um, and it kind of just got me thinking about, um, especially this month in October, where I would argue there's not many games that have come out this month, except for this week. Um, and I guess I just wanted to like talk about what you guys think in terms of like why don't developers, why are developers like, or publishers a little bit too afraid to like say move a game forward or back to kind of give it space to breathe? Um I think the example that I used before was, like, we, we all remember when Rise of the Tomb Raider and Fallout 4 came out on the same day. Um, mm. And then, like, mm. in, Nove- in November, on November 15th, Fallen Order and Pokemon Sword and Shield will be coming out on the same day. Mm. Um, and I just, like, I noticed that these games do service different audiences and stuff, um, but I can't yeah. help but feel, yes, that's true, but then also for the people who are going to be buying one game that day... Um, one's always going to, like, win out over the other. Like, it's rare you'll get somebody who will buy all three. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, yeah, I don't know. I just thought we could maybe talk about that, kind of. Yeah. I'll, it's I'll, a tough I'll, one, isn't uh, it? I'll absolutely say, like, I've, I, all year I've been like, this hasn't really been anything that I've been like, oh, I need to go grab that. And then absolutely, like, Literally starting with COD on Friday, it's like every second week there's a game that I'm like, oh, I got to pop down and get it. I got to pop down and get it. Like, <laughs> I was so keen, like, you know, Fortnite Chapter 2 came out and I said to you at PAX, you and I'm, I'm buying the Battle Pass this time. And then I went to buy it and I'm like, is that smart? Because literally starting Friday <laughs> is like, you know, the marathon of all these games. Like, I'm yeah. not probably going to be playing it. Like, let's be real, like in the next few weeks. So, yeah, I, I, it's... I, I know, like, you know, developers probably like, you know what, we're focusing on our game, it's going to release then, this is when it's ready. 
so they're probably not worrying too much about whatever else is coming out that time. But I do feel like, you know, they need like a, a Slack group or a Discord and just be like, hey, guys, when are you bringing yours out? Oh, yeah, cool. Okay, we'll <laughs> yeah. bring ours out the next <laughs> week. Just coordinate it all. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the sort of the October, November, December period, you know, traditionally has been the busiest period because developers, I suppose, are keen to kind of get their game out for the holiday season, have lots of people buy it leading into Christmas um, and probably to take a bit of a break themselves over the time of year that's traditionally a bit of a break for people. Um, but uh, that's kind of like stepping away. I can't remember the last time I actually asked for a game for Christmas. I mean, mm. granted, I'm an adult now. Um, <laughs> but even like into my teenage years, I was making such an effort to get the games day one oh, that, you know, unless it was out Christmas Eve, it was very unlikely that I was going to get given a game for Christmas. Um, yeah, so, I mean, sometimes it would be like stuff on the backlog, you know, things I didn't feel like I needed to get day one, but was still interested in, maybe I'd asked for. But chances are I was still busy playing the games that I had bought day one to give them any attention. Um, so I sort of feel like there's a bit of a, outside of like the family games, um, uh, there's kind of a bit of a disconnect there, I suppose. Um, I also think, you know, there's maybe an element of sort of hubris involved as well and in studios kind of thinking oh you know like we'll have the big game of the season like nothing can kind of topple us and maybe they're kind of caught off guard by some others um and you know there's a de- i think you're right james as well there's a certain extent of people thinking um they've got totally different audiences like i'm sort of looking again further ahead this year um we've got death stranding and need for speed heat coming out on the same day uh like death, death stranding obviously is anticipated to do huge numbers um but it's a console exclusive and it doesn't really speak to racing fans potentially so maybe need for speed heat will still do all right um we'll have to see but you're right James, that this year's kind of been a bit funny because I feel like we've had more September, October releases in previous years that have packed more of a punch than we've yeah, seen this, this year. Would this, you agree? This October, like in terms of like triple A kind of stuff, Ghost yeah. Recon was early, and then we obviously had COD now. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I'm just quickly pulling up last year. So like fill the noise, fill the gap. Yeah, I feel like, <laughs> like I feel like we've had bigger September, October releases in the past because people kind of realized that there was this big rush and they were like, Oh, we'll kind of get in a little bit early. Um and I feel like we're now sort of seeing people leaving it later and going to kind of Q1, kind of early Q2. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm far more excited from the for the first half of next year than I am the last half of this year. And we've got The Last of Us Part 2 coming out, Doom Eternal now, um, and Cyberpunk, like all dropping within three months mm. of each other. Um, you can throw uh, Animal, Crossing. Animal, Kingdom, Animal Crossing <laughs> into that <laughs> same, same discussion too. Um, but that's, that's another one, right? That's coming out the same day as... As Doom, no, Cyberpunk? Doom and Animal Crossing are coming Doom out together yeah. same day. Oh, well, um, but, I mean, radically different audience. audiences, so I they can probably like get away fine. with that. But I don't know if that makes yeah. sense to me. But um, I just like there think, still like, will be some with, crossover, though. There still has with Doom, to be some with crossover. Doom, especially. Like they would delay it, knowing when Animal Crossing was coming out. Like why pick the same yeah. day? That's why I don't. There's like so other so many other days you could have picked. Yeah, um, I mean, there's just, there's the yeah. days that are traditionally games release days, right? Though, like that's it's the Friday here for us. I presumably yeah, 100%. it's a Friday. Everyone, but else. there's so Final they're Fantasy kind of Watch limited Dogs. to 
four within a month. And yeah. then they've kind of got to... They maybe want to just kind of occupy that middle ground between um, Cyberpunk and Last of Us. And they're like, well, that's the same day as Animal Crossing. Do we care? Probably not. I feel like, you know, I feel like that could be so much part of their marketing as well. It's like, you know, they're going to have Doom Guy kind of shooting a fluffy bunny inside the world of doom or something and it's you know it's like a little marketing bit for them i, I feel like, like isabel like that. suit up and just fuck shit up in hell <laughs> <laughs> like, that would that'd be, be that'd be great i'd love for the switch version or something <laughs> maybe they're just trying to you know cater for the gaming you know the gaming couples of friends you know the you know the the partner that wants to play doom and the partner that wants to play animal crossing so it's not like you know they can both game at the same time with the game that they really wanted to enjoy that day you know what i mean like like for him and for her gifts or yeah something absolutely <laughs> i was actually you listening know? to another podcast today um kind of funny game daily it's one of my frequent listens and um Imran Khan, a formerly of Game Informer, was talking about Animal Crossing and Doom coming out the same day, and he was saying that he imagines there's going to be a lot of like time delay stuff on Animal Crossing. You know, we've got to plan something and wait however long for it to grow. Mm. And he thought he would fill in those gaps by playing <laughs> Doom. Uh, I'm like, it's a, it's a good shout. You're organized months in advance. I love it. That's good. That's good. That's <laughs> good juggling. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Well what would what do you reckon would be the solution, James? Do you have advice to to give game publishers about no. when to schedule I, games? I mean, I, it's easy for me to be like release games all year, not just <laughs> at the end. But that's obviously there's obviously all kinds of logistical reasons as to why that can't happen. Um, yeah. So it must. I don't know. It must be hard. And I guess the like the the cycle of game development, like it must be hard to kind of like break that cycle. <laughs> Like, because all the yeah, games that well, are getting sure. finished are probably only going to be able to be finished in October, but they don't want to push them back to like Jan or Feb or something. Um, yeah, well, to let you sort of behind like, the curtain a little bit, if you've been following what I've been doing over the last kind of couple of months, I've now started working with an Australian indie game developer, um, and I can't say too much, obviously, but um, you know, we've had discussions about like what like schedules would look like um and it's remarkably hard because you want to you obviously want to put the game out as soon as you feasibly can um because you know like at the end of the day that's what's gonna make you money money, and you kind of want to get see that return on investment as fast as you can um so you kind of you kind of at this it's this juggling act of okay what can we realistically achieve and does that time line up with the optimal time for release if not like how might we stagger it out like i imagine there's all sorts of things yeah Um, like with indies and stuff too you don't want to like drown instantly and then never be found again yeah, exactly. And then you've got the the complexity as well of a new console, console launch coming out. And it's like, well, does our game, like, do we want to release it onto, like, a, an older-gen console? Or do we want to try and time it with the launch of a new-gen console? Is our is it going to fit within the slate of launch titles? Or is it better coming in the months afterwards? Like, there's all sorts of considerations you got to take into account. Um, and I guess- it's no easy thing. Yeah, you also need. I'm assuming when you put out a game, you have to get it certified by, say, Microsoft, Sony, or Nintendo, and that can be a time-consuming process too, from what I hear. Yeah, so like, you've got to allow time kind of, for 
yeah, yeah. That to happen. I mean, you, you sort of know going into advance, like what that's going to require and whether or not you're going to be able to meet the certification requirements. Um, but you've obviously got to allow time for things to not go to plan, um, which you can then kind of patch and cater for. Um, which honestly, like it's suddenly all not all that surprising why we see games go gold like a month before release now mm. to to make sure the certification's all good to get them everything printed and published because you know physical distribution's a whole other added challenge um and then why we see kind of day one patches and whatnot it's like okay like we we did enough to meet the certification requirements but there's still like layers of polish we want to add so that all kind of comes in that those months you have afterwards but uh, yeah as like scary as crunch is um I can see like how it crops up because you are working with deadlines, but it's still a, a creative medium at the end of the day. And you want to kind of have as much of a finished product as, or like to a standard as you want it to be. So yeah, it's like, it's tough. I'm gaining such a better appreciation for the challenges that developers and publishers have to, to go through. Um, I feel like What's it's time segue? now for What the Wiki, which is the Starcast game show where the host reads part of a Wikipedia page for an unknown game and you, the contestants, must guess the game. Um, Jake, we've not had you on at all this season. Uh, uh, so we've I been was doing thinking, I'm like, maybe I should have hosted What the Wiki. Because what's, what's the point <laughs> of me getting points here? Like, no, but if you get a point, I don't. So like yeah, that helps everybody true. else. So you're playing for people. Basically, okay. it would be very dramatic. Playing for the people, especially Brody as well. Brody's got a large vested interest in you taking a point away from James here. Um, so the way we've been handling it this time, Jake, is okay. uh, if um, if you win the previous game of the wiki, uh, you host the next episode. Um, so it's been good because it's been a little bit more of a competitive game with the the job rotating around. Mm. Um, for instance, James is on eight points in the lead, but Brody is only one point behind on seven. Uh, Stephen still in contention, I reckon. Oh, it's pretty close. We only got how many weeks the year? It's pretty nice. No, he's still in contention. Um, no, Stephen on five know. points. <laughs> uh, myself on three points. Um, and coincident- And obviously, the winner of last week, much to everyone's surprise, um, and Shannon on one point. So, Jake, you could equal Shannon here, which I know would I mean, do wonders for your first, ego and devastate Shannon. So, yeah, let's, let's make it happen, huh? Um, all right. Contestants, are you ready? Absolutely. <sighs> yes. <laughs> Strap yourselves in. Game number one. Much like its predecessors, the quality and attributes of w- equipment are randomized. In addition to base stats, such as damage and attack speed for weapon or armor points on armor, higher quality items have additional properties such as extra damage, attribute bonuses, bonuses to critical hit chance, or sockets, which allow items to be upgraded and customized by adding gems or various stat bonuses. Magic quality items have up to three random properties, rare quality items have up to six, and legendary quality items typically have up to eight with varying degrees of randomness. Set items are a subtype of legendary items, which provide additional cumulative bonuses if multiple items from the same set are simultaneously equipped. High-level monsters tend to drop high-level items, which tend to have higher base stats and bonuses. Uh, again, it's, a, it's amazing what they decide to include on Wikipedia pages. Yeah. The proprietary engine incorporates Blizzard's custom in-house physics and mm. features destructible mm. environments with an in-game damage effect. The developers sought to make the game run on a wide range of systems without requiring DirectX 10, 
The game uses a custom 3D game engine in order to present an overhead view of the player, in a somewhat similar way to the isometric view used in previous games in the series. <laughs> Enemies utilize the 3D environment as well in ways such as crawling up the side of a wall from below into the combat area. As in the previous game, multiplayer games are possible using Blizzard's Battle.net service, with many of the new features developed for StarCraft 2 also available in the game. Players are also like able to drop in and of out of sessions of cooperative play with other players. Unlike its predecessors, the game requires players to be connected to the internet constantly. Ja- due yeah, to James? The- James? <laughs> is it Diablo 3? It is Diablo 3. Oh, well <laughs> Did you just need enough clues as to how many yeah, predecessors I, there were? <laughs> I, StarCraft 2, and then I was like, well, what was after that and then that yeah. was it yeah well done you did well you did yes yeah, well. i really i apologize to anybody who's a blizzard fan because i'm not yeah. i did so, i didn't yeah. know if there was like a hardcore diablo fan amongst you that might have picked up on all the nuances of the base attacks and stuff i really the moment sure. you started but saying I, gems I not, and magic i, I was just like fan. nah all right james you're off the <laughs> mark you need one more uh game to take the point this week uh, Jake, there's obviously still a chance for you, though, if you get these next two games. Oh, thank game you. Game number two. The game is described Jack. as a hero shooter, primarily a first-person shooter incorporating huh. multiplayer online battle arena elements. In any of the game's modes, the player selects from one of several predefined hero characters that they have available, each with their own unique attributes, attacks, powers, and skills, which can include casting magic and area effect attacks. During character selection, the player also selects a loadout that can have up to three pieces of gear to bring into a match earned from previous matches. Each piece requires a number of shards in-game currency collected during a match to activate during a match, and once activated, stay active for the remainder of the match. How many times was the word match, the match. in that sentence? <laughs> this equipment can boost or detract from base attributes or give additional benefits to the character. Shards can also be used to activate special turrets on maps to strategically defend points. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here. The game is an online first-person shooter game developed by Gearbox Software and published by 2K Games for Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. The game was released worldwide on May 3rd, 2016, and Ewan did not review it well. The game is a hero shooter with elements of multiplayer online battle arenas, MOBAs. Players select one of several pre-designed characters with different attacks and skills and participate in either single-player cooperative matches or competitive matches with other players. You guys don't know this game, do you? I literally don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, so, it's a hero shooter made by Gearbox, came out in 2016, a couple of years ago. Um, so, we, we know it's not Overwatch, but it's kind of a rip-off of Overwatch. It's got oh, a very God. generic sounding video game title. Starts with a B. Oh shit. Um What was that game? I can literally There's see a, the picture a in my head. Baby doll brand that Battleborn. would rhyme with it. Jake? Battleborn. It is Battleborn. <laughs> oh. Well done, oh my god. Holy crap, I, I actually forgot, forgot about, about that about game. <laughs> oh, <laughs> didn't a lot of people. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my god. Yeah, I remember oh, that, that, that game existed. I gave it a 5 or a 6 maybe. I it did not get very high. To be it fair, it looked good. okay. Look, it just we all didn't hoped for the best as we so often do. That's I'm, true. I'm going to I'm going to look up my review and see exactly what I gave it. Um, but yeah, it did, really did not pan out for them. Poor Battleborn. I gave it a six. Yeah. Damn. 
Yeah. Sad yeah, times. That's, that honestly, that blew my mind. That's like a blast from the past, but not really. <laughs> uh, well, well done, Dick. You've, uh, you've kept this game competitive. It's Thank now down you. to the final game. Whoever <laughs> can guess it is going to take the point this week. Uh, Jake, if you do do it, you'll make Brody very happy. All right. Game number three. This is for you. Scroll to the correct bit. As a digital collectible card game, the gameplay of the game is to build a deck of collectible cards obtained via purchasing either individual cards or packs of them on the Steam Marketplace in order to defeat an opponent in in a one-to-one situation. The game is heavily based upon and features many elements from the multiplayer online battle arena game Dota 2, which Valve also developed. As such, the game (laughs) differs from most other traditional collectible card games as it features three lanes Mm. guarded by a tower at either end with each lane existing uh sorry yeah existing as its own independent board the victor is the first person to either destroy a structure called the ancient which appears after a tower has also been destroyed or the first to destroy two towers in total as with Can dota t- 2 the I'll game focuses on okay jake didn't take a I guess th- close oh end of the paragraph Look, it's strategically advantageous for you Go I don't. It. i don't know a lot of card games so this could be a very very big guess but I'm going to go, is it Hearthstone? It's, <laughs> it's not Hearthstone, no. <laughs> um, but you've fallen into my trap. You've activated my trap card. That's what I thought oh, people God. might guess it would be. That's like the only um, card game I know. So. Hearth- so Hearthstone, if I'm not mistaken, is League of Legends and it's centered around... Sorry, is uh, Riot Games game. No, a, no Hearthstone's Blizzard, Blizzard I, isn't it? I'm getting them all confused. Yeah, Hearthstone's Blizzard and it's based around... <laughs> Whatever the fucking Blizzard game it is, just, I'm more confused now. I fall into my own trap. Oh, none no. of us know card games. As with Dota 2, the game... Sorry, okay, I've got one more sentence, and then you can guess again if you like, Jake. Oh, As with you. Dota 2, the game focuses on online multiplayer versus player matchmaking and does not have a single-player component, although a tutorial against an AI controller bot is used for teaching new players how to play. So that's the end of the sentence. James, are you feeling like a free guess? It's like a it's 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 like a Tomb Raider name. Like that's you're on the right like, track. Oh, like oh, like Totem or Relic or like You're definitely like on the right track. You definitely on like, the right track. The game well, is a oh, there's no point in reading shit. anymore, so let's just <laughs> What are uh, other words like monument or like <laughs> Yeah, tribal. so uh, so you're definitely on the right the right track with Tomb Raider. Um, this uh, guess is available for either of you guys at this point. <laughs> um, think, you know, Indiana Jones as well, kind of like Tomb Raider, right? You know, there are archaeologists, mm. they're mm. going in search for like buried treasure. Um, you know, Gen there's other words stones. that describe <laughs> those kind of treasures. Those, it's not relic. Um, uh, oh, other- artifact. It is, is it? artifact, James. <laughs> yeah, well done. Is that it? You I take the points this, this week. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jake. That's, That's like the first I had no idea. round where it's been like three games I have not played. I I like to keep you on your toes. What can I say, James? What can I say? Well, well done, James. That was a hard-fought battle, but you accent your lead out to nine points. Brody behind on seven, <sighs> Stephen on two, myself on three, and Shannon bringing up the weir on the weir. The rear on oh, yeah. one. With that, let's bring an end to what was episode 196 of the Startcast. Subscribe to us on Podcast One or the podcast service of your choice. Follow us at press.au. Join the conversation with hashtag the Startcast and visit the site at pressstart.com.au. We've been joined today by James. Yeah, I'm on Twitter as always. It's A T J A M Z. Um, follow, don't follow me. Follow Jake for popcorn chicken updates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> <for> absolutely. <laughs> 
I will let oh, you know they, when yeah my app like gives me little notifications for promos. We can all get fat together. Yeah, It'll be it's great. a ten ten dollar popcorn chicken bucket to back, right? Uh, abs- absolutely. And apparently Ooh, they've got boy. a special at Domino's for their equivalent for popcorn chicken it's as like well. It's like fifty so. pieces or something, which is like yeah. ridiculous. Damn. Give yeah, me yeah. all the cheap fried chicken. I'm so down for that. Well, you, uh, you can get it by visiting me on my Twitter, at underscore Jake Barrow. <laughs> Are you, so, like, handing out a creator code for popcorn chicken? I'm confused. What's going absolutely. On if you guys follow me on my Twitter, then you can get uh, $0 off um, for your what KFC. Is, so, that would be great. Wow. $0 off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've also been joined today, for the first time in a while, Jake yeah, I said what <laughs> I said on my Twitter. Thanks. Uh, have you done it already? Well, yeah. I kind of well, this, this helps me follow me at underscore Jake Paris. Also, read read my Jedi Fallen Order article. Awesome. Very cool. Let me know what you think. And, I was uh, going to say, make sure you do go and check that out and uh, and, and see all of his thoughts in a very digestible uh, article with pictures and 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 all of the fun <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yes, I wrote a children's I've been book your host, for the you game. and Roxborough. You could follow me on Twitter and Instagram at you and underscore Roxborough. And until next time, happy gaming. Bye. Bye. Bye.